Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. New MPB Public Media app is available now. Watch MPB TV, listen to MPB Think and Music Radio, and stay in the know with MPB News. Search for the MPB Public Media app in the App Store and Google Play stores today. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, working Mississippians keep falling behind, according to a new study. And a significant number of families in the United States and in Mississippi are not, do not have economic security. They're living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. Then lawmakers question department heads about how state money is spent. Later, a look at the Kemper County Power Plant in a preview of tonight's episode of At Issue on MPB-TV. And the State Department of Transportation is helping you get to your favorite college football game this weekend. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi still has 18,000 fewer jobs now than it did before the recession. That's according to a new report called The State of Working Mississippi 2016. The report also found African Americans are particularly affected by economic challenges in Mississippi when they hit. Father Fred Kammer is director of the Jesuit Social Research Institute at Loyola University, which published the report. He tells MPB's Evelina Burnett working families are finding it harder to find economic security. Knowing that the, the report on the state of Mississippi, working Mississippi, had not been done since 2012, uh, we set out to talk to the original uh, uh, agency that had done that as well as the Economic Policy Institute in Washington to see if they would be willing to let us do the report in order to look at the problems more, more closely of Mississippi vulnerable families. The report itself basically, and the reason we're doing this during Labor Day week is because in the United States working families who are seeking economic security are finding it harder and harder to achieve that. When we use the phrase economic security, we're talking about your ability to pay your current basic bills, but also to put something aside, you know, in case you're injured, in case you have a health crisis, in case you're unemployed for a few months. And a significant number of families in the United States and in Mississippi are not, do not have economic security. They're living day to day, paycheck to paycheck. So what did you find in this report in terms of, um, you know, maybe just some of the highlights? What we did in the report was we, we first found that uh, one of the big highlights is that wages in Mississippi for everyone except the top 10% have not recovered from the pre-recession level in 2007. So the state has not only lost jobs, thousands of jobs, but working people have not seen their, their income increase even back to the level of 2007. That's a very serious problem for the state. Uh, Education levels in the state are related to employment levels as well, and the state's population is less educated at all levels than is the national population, and the African-American population is less educated than the white population. 
those educational deficits, we could say, affect employment possibilities in the future, affect family income, affect that basic line, which is family economic security. Not only have wages not recovered, but, but productivity of workers has gone up in Mississippi, and wages have not gone up with them. And business profits have gone up and business surplus have gone up significantly in Mississippi uh, since before the recession to now. And again, wages have not gone up. Those are significant findings. There's also growing economic inequality between not just the poorest families and the wealthiest families, but between middle families. Like we, we, as one chart in our report, between families at the 30th percentile of income and those at the 90th percentile, they have been seeing a growing gap of income between them as well. Any other uh, highlights? One other significant one for me, anyway, is the uh, is that the rate of, of participation in the workforce between white and black workers in Mississippi is about the same and has been about the same. But again, there's been a big deficit in wages between white and black workers and family income between white and black workers as well. So that's another significant finding in terms of the report. There are also other reports about regions of the state, parts of the state, which ones have done better than others. Rural workers, especially heavily African-American counties, etc., are lagging significantly behind more urban areas, standard metropolitan statistical areas, areas where there's more economic development going on. MPB's Evelina Burnett with Father Fred Kammer of the Jesuit Social Research Institute. Alicia Davis lives in St. Martin. She tells Evelina Burnett she knows firsthand the challenge of finding work that pays enough to get by. Just the unemployment rate of the African-Americans was really, I, I knew it would, would be high, but it was just shocking and um it relates to my personal life, like I was saying, as far as I think the hindrance with us as to working is the competitiveness for a job. When one comes available or any in the job search, is the competitiveness and everybody, you know, trying to go for that one job. And uh, education and child care for working moms that are already working, it's hard for us to get uh, child care and adequate education and training. That's in the vicinity or close around us. Tell me a little bit about your family and, and what kind of work you do. Um, I'm a single mother of three. I have a 14-year-old, 11-year-old, and an 8-year-old, and I do health care, caregiving. So I work at an assisted living home. And are you working now? Yes, ma'am, I am. So what, how did that job process go in terms of finding the job, and how long have you been there? I've been there about a month now, and... Uh, like I said, it's been rough trying to find a job. I first started, when I started my job search, I couldn't find anything. I got discouraged, and um, I went for a job making minimum wage, and I was doing housekeeping. I never did housekeeping in my life, but um, working for minimum wage because I felt like I need a check. I need, but I wasn't getting anywhere making that. It, it's just like stress on top of stress, and then I finally got this job making a few dollars more, but um, even it's still, it's still hard. Are you making enough to cover your bills? Yes, ma'am. I'm doing a whole lot better. Yes, doing work for seven fifty. Well, one of the things they described economic. I thought this was interesting how they described what economic security is. It's enough to pay for basic living expenses while saving enough for larger and long-term costs. Do you feel like you are able to save in addition to cover your bills? I am able to live, but I am not able to save. There's, I mean. Once I get through personal things, even like I said, receiving the resources that's out there like um, SNAP, Medicaid to help me. I don't get Medicaid. I don't qualify because I work, which I think um, the state, they should look into that a little bit more as to working moms, even like a mom making seven fifty an hour. There's no way she can take care of herself. And even with the food benefits SNAP, it gets cut once you work. 
So you're still having to come out of pocket off seven fifty an hour to help buy grocery and food for your children and just other things that they need, personal things. What about child care? Um, are you, what do your kids do, say, after school? I guess they might be old enough to stay by themselves, but um, well, has that been an issue as well? It actually have. I cannot afford child care, but I do. I'm lucky enough to have a wonderful aunt that sticks by me, and she helps with them. I really would like to see us move forward and see things change. Um, for working people and not just working people, unemployed people, and, and hopefully the um, minimum wage will go up. That'll help a lot, too. MPB's Evelina Burnett with Alicia Davis of St. Martin on the challenges of finding a job that pays enough to get by in Mississippi. In other news, Mississippi lawmakers say there is likely more room to cut state agency budgets over the next year. This is on the heels of Governor Phil Bryant cutting budgets earlier this week. MPB's Paul Boger reports. Lawmakers are meeting in Jackson over the next few months trying to assess how much taxpayer money state agencies are spending and, more specifically, what they're spending it on. The working group, as it's been dubbed, began meeting in August and is evaluating the budgets of nine of the state's largest agencies. Those include the Departments of Education, Health, Mental Health, and Corrections. Speaker of the House, Republican Philip Gunn, says some agencies are duplicating services. We've already seen, within the last two meetings, potential for duplications of services. We've got uh, community colleges and, and the senior colleges telling us they spend about $25 million a year on remediation. Why, why, are they, why are they graduating and not ready to go to college? In addition to duplicating services, some members of the working group are questioning why some state agencies need so many employees and whether the state is paying them too much. Superintendent of Education Carrie Wright says it would be very difficult for her agency to handle a cut in staff. I've got people doing double duty right now in some areas, and um, you just need more bodies. When you're trying to get across an entire state, you're trying to improve education across an entire state, and every district's needs are different. Um, to expect one person to do this in one particular area is just not realistic. No timeline has been set as to when the working group will make recommendations to the full legislature, but Republican leaders say they would like to have a plan in place before the start of the 2017 legislative session in January. Paul Boger, MPB News. Up next, a look at the Kemper County Power Plant and a preview of tonight's episode of At Issue on MPB-TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. For young people and gangs, disputes that start in the streets spill over to social media. I got involved in this work because young people were dying based on what they say online. Desmond Patton sees a chance for intervention. Social media gives us an opportunity to really dig deeper into these experiences. Using social media to stop the violence later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. It's high school football time, and that means it's time for Friday night under the lights. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us tonight at 10 o'clock right here on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum Mississippi, providing learning experiences on all forms of music. Educator resources online and museum tours for grades K through 12 are available. Information at education at grammymuseumms.org. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The power plant being constructed by Mississippi Power in Kemper County is more than two years behind schedule and more than $4 billion over its initial budget of $2.4 billion. The plant is supposed to provide jobs for Mississippi and hope for clean-burning coal technology for the world. MPB-TV's news show, At Issue, is providing an in-depth look at the clean coal plant in Kemper County tonight at 7.30. MPB's Mark Rigsby, executive producer of at issue spoke with Johnny Atherton, Vice President of Public Relations and Corporate Services for Mississippi Power, in this excerpt from tonight's show. Mississippi Power first and foremost had a need that was identified about six, seven years ago. We took a proposal to the Public Service Commission. They agreed with us that we had a need. And uh, this project is allowing us to introduce a third fuel source for the benefit of providing energy resources to our customers. That's something that we're very proud of. Uh, quite frankly, we're catching the eye of a lot of, a lot of folks around, around the world. We've had a number of folks who have toured this facility, and they're, they're interested in various aspects. They're interested in how we're gasifying lignite coal. Uh, they're interested in uh, how we're capturing carbon. Uh, and then certainly they're also interested in how that carbon might be used uh, for enhanced oil recovery. Uh, we're also very proud of the economic impact that we've had over the state over the last few years. Certainly we're building this project for the benefit of our customers, but the time at which we've been building it has been a, has been a pretty troubled time in our country. And so there have been a lot of people who've gone to work here. At, at our peak during construction, we created about 6,500 uh, construction jobs. Uh, 560 companies have participated in this project. And so it, uh, it has provided resources to them at an otherwise pretty difficult time. Can you tell us why the project is over budget and also behind schedule. When we take projects to the Mississippi Public Service Commission for their approval, and we couldn't begin to build this project without Mississippi, the Mississippi Public Service Commission's approval, um, we do some front-end engineering and design. But on all mega projects, and certainly on all the projects that we undertake, those are sort of design-build kind of projects. The difference uh, between other projects that we do, whether they be transmission lines or substations, or natural gas-fired facilities that we built for, the difference in those projects and this is this was first of a kind, where we're taking different technologies and integrating them to produce electric energy for our customers. And I would tell you that if we made any errors in judgment at all, any missteps, is that when we took that proposal to the commission, we were only at, at between 10 or 15% of design. And so I think it's the little engineering that we had done at that particular point in time that has sort of come back to haunt us a little bit in terms of cost and schedule. So if there was anything that we could point our finger to in terms of missteps is that we didn't have this plant fully designed or more robustly designed on the front end that would have probably led to better, uh, better information in terms of schedule and cost. Then why was there such a rush, do you think? Well, num number one, our customers had a need. In the middle teens, uh, in the 13 to 15 time frame, they had a need for additional electric energy. Uh, and so I would say that we were rushing to make sure that we had the resources to meet our customers' needs when they demanded it. 
MPB's Mark Rigsby with Johnny Atherton of Mississippi Power. Brett Wingo is a former engineer at the Kemper County plant. He's now a whistleblower, though he dislikes the term, and has spoken out against the feasibility of the plant ever operating as intended. He tells MPB's Ezra Wall, Mississippi Power has known a long time the plant won't work. When you give somebody a uh, price and you bracket it with uh, some type of confidence level, if you don't have much of your design done uh, on a plant that has almost a million feet of pipe in it, it's real complicated. Anybody that's seen pictures of Kemper on the Internet or wherever can see it's complicated even from the outside uh, in terms of uh, twists and bends and all that of pipe, but a million feet of pipe, you should be able to to estimate that fairly well if you know your quantities, quantities. but Southern companies readily admitted that only 10 to 15 percent of the design was done when they broke ground on this project. So I failed to understand how back in 2010, Mississippi Power and Southern Company could guarantee that this plant would cost under $2.88 billion for the capped cost portion uh, with 98 percent confidence. If our engineering was only 10 to 15 percent complete at the time, that $2.88 billion number should have had maybe a 50 percent confidence on it, for example. Is, is this a concern that you raised uh, early on? When did you bring this up? Unfortunately, this only came to my attention uh, once I discovered scheduling concerns and raised them in 2014. Uh, eventually was, uh, <laughs> how can I say it, run out of the company. And uh, when my employment officially ended on February 15th of this year, I started looking for documents on the Internet, of all places, to uh, support my uh, contention that there was active fraud inside the company. When, lo and behold, I came across an actual Public Service Commission document off the Public Service Commission website, and it was a study done in – it wasn't a study, but it was a surrebuttal testimony by Greg Zoll of Burns and Rowe, uh, the independent monitor for the public utilities staff. And I found something very shocking in that document. It was a 2010 document that was a record of decision that was put together by Tommy Anderson, who used to be the vice president of generation development at Mississippi Power at the time. Tommy Anderson had put together that document that said 50% confidence that costs would be $2.4 billion or less and 98% confidence that costs would be $2.88 billion or less. So you you mentioned uh, something that I, I think is fair to bring up, uh, which is uh, the, the ending of your employment at the Kemper County Power Plant. How did that come about? In February of 2014, I raised serious concerns about fraud, attempted fraud, uh, occurring at my level in the project. Uh, there were other project managers besides me that had um, access to the schedule. That access was supposed to be temporary. I controlled the schedule. They were, I gave them ability to do what-if scenarios, um, and I warned them not to use any of these what-if projections for official projections for a commercial operation date. Unfortunately, that's exactly what happened. I raised these concerns to a vice president at Mississippi Power who essentially ignored them. And at that point, uh, feeling great concern for our CEO at Southern Company, who actually has to sign the quarterly uh, filings with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and knowing that there are criminal penalties for certifying false um, certifications regarding internal controls. And that's what we had lost was internal control. We had lost internal control over the schedule projections, which affected billions of dollars in projected costs. I uh, called the CEO on March 10th of 2014. And over the next six months, I found out that he really didn't appreciate that too much. Uh, I was removed from my project management duties. MPB's Ezra Wall with Brett Wingo, a former engineer at the Kemper County Power Plant. Remember to watch an entire episode of At Issue devoted to the power plant tonight at 730 on MPB TV.
Up next, the State Department of Transportation is helping you get to your favorite college football game this weekend. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharia Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. For young people and gangs, disputes that start in the streets spill over to social media. I got involved in this work because young people were dying based on what they say online. Desmond Patton sees a chance for intervention. Social media gives us an opportunity to really dig deeper into these experiences. Using social media to stop the violence later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Tailgating, rivalries, touchdowns, and more tailgating. It's the beginning of college football season in Mississippi, and thousands of people across the state are hitting the road this weekend to cheer on their favorite team. But how do you get to the game as quickly and safely as possible? The Mississippi Department of Transportation is here to help. With a website, a mobile app, and a call-in number, you have more than one way to plan your trip and get the latest information on road conditions before you travel. MPB Sid Scott spoke with Morgan Miller of MDOT on using the tools to help support your team. MDOT has three free travel resources for anyone to use in Mississippi to help them get to the game. You know, it's a big home game weekend this weekend, so a lot of people are going to be out on the roads. And the main one that we have is our m.traffic website. That's www.m.traffic.com. And there you can get information on road conditions, construction zones, information about weather, but you can also check out our traffic cameras too in the area that you're going to to get a look at the roads and see if they're busy. Now you can also create an account on MDOT traffic and that allows you to more customize your commute that you're taking or the route that you're taking to allow you to get alerts if anything changes as you're on your way to the game. Okay, so you would create an account and you input your route or your destination? You can actually create a polygon of of where you're going in your route, yes. And it'll it'll give you information within that polygon if any alerts pop up or any crashes pop up or there's construction in that area. The account that you create is also a partner and a companion to our MDOT traffic mobile app, which uh, also allows you to receive push notifications, traffic alerts, You can look up things right in the palm of your hand. It's so easy, and they work hand-in-hand. You can pull up your account, the same account that you created on m.traffic.com, 
is also on your mobile app. Say someone's going from in-state to out-of-state, it, it helps them get at least out-of-state if they're going to an, uh, a game that's out-of-state. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can use it for that. And we re- recommend, obviously, checking it before you leave, checking the app before you leave, but it'll still send you push notifications if you set up that account, and it'll let you know on your way. And then it also is a companion to our 511 call system. And how does that work? So once you call, uh, and you, you can just get the most current traffic conditions, at, and if you have an account set up with MDOT Traffic, they're all connected, mobile apps connected, as well as the 511 system as well, and you can get the latest on where you're going, traffic, construction, anything. And this is the uh, the first big home game weekend for football. People can use it throughout the season and even segue into the holidays with this too. Right, yeah. It's a great resource that's free and available for anyone to use that, of course, you can help get to the game. You can get where you need to go for holiday and even great for everyday use when you're traveling to and from work. It's great for when you're trying to figure out whether or not there's traffic on the road as you're going to head home. Uh, for the day and maybe want to take a different route that day. Morgan Miller is with the Mississippi Department of Transportation. She's helping us get to the games this weekend, and I appreciate your talking to us, Morgan. Thank you. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Gestalt Gardner, Next Stop Mississippi, and Southern Remedy for Women. If you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition on your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. You have a big decision to make on November 8th. A date which will live in infamy. We will keep this promise to the American people. Be informed. Listen to this station every day. Daily at 4 on NPB Think Radio. It's Marketplace Tech.